Welcome back to another episode of the ASEAN Connection. My name is Jeffrey Tram. Thank you so much for joining us. ASEAN Connection has made it a mandate to speak up on some of the most important stories in our community. This past week is no exception. As of our recording in the evening of January 24th, here is what transpired. 11 people were killed and nine others were injured by a gunman who opened fire at a crowded dance studio in Monterey Park, California on January 21st. Another incident took place days later in Half Moon Bay, California. Seven people were killed. Investigations for both shootings are ongoing and there is no indication at this moment of the motive. Although we are based in Canada, these stories have truly impacted us and the Asian diaspora. And there is a lot to unpack. Joining me now are my co-hosts, Anne and Leah, to have a discussion on how we feel and where do we go from here. Mm-hmm. And I'll start with you. What are your initial thoughts on everything? <sighs> yeah, honestly, this kind of like what everyone else is feeling, this has been very exhausting because we as a community, when we look at Lunar New Year, we look at celebrating our achievements, celebrating coming together as one and really going back to traditions, going back to our roots. And when we have a an incident like this, it can be traumatizing to also look back at past incidents within our community and having to come back and grieve together and cry together and heal together. It's honestly like no filter. It's been a whole shit show. It's been exhausting to have to look through Twitter, have to look through the news and see that our community is still grieving and is still going through all this. And it kind of brings me back to a tweet that I saw from an Asian journalist based in America, how they were saying when things like this happen, They get calls and they get emails from media outlets um, asking for comments. And his reaction or their reaction rather was, why would I have to constantly comment on these things? And why would I have to exhaust myself and have to re-traumatize myself? But overall, what I think of this is it's, it's tough. It's, you know, it's one of those things that, we need to step back and take a break and really just analyze about, you know, where do we go from here and what can we do as a community? Absolutely. And you know, you bring a good point, especially since the Lunar Year is a time for celebration. This was a moment for us to, you know, really celebrate our culture and have fun with friends and family. And instead what we got was a tragedy, something that, you know, when we saw the headline, we were just like, whoa. And then just seeing all the updates and everything, it became worse and worse. And then the second shooting happened and um, it, it's, it was really hard to take in. Leah, I wanted to get your thoughts on this as well. Yeah, um, along the same vein as what you've both mentioned, 39 mass shootings in 2023 is way too many as we know. And seeing those notifications pop up on my phone, I'm not going to lie. Even before I knew what happened, just knowing that it was a mass shooting, I was like, I don't have the capacity for this right now. I really don't. Um, It's, like Anne said, super exhausting to hear and then even more depressing to read about um, 
the victims' families' reactions and other people's reactions, whether they're celebrities or other folks who are from those areas. It's just harrowing and discouraging. Um, and it's tough. It's tough because A, it's not happening in our country, but B, it's not like those kinds of um, acts of violence against Asian communities don't happen here. It's scary. It's it's tough. And it's, it's just, yeah, it's mm-hmm. sad. And I don't know how else to say it in, other than in those plain words because mm-hmm. this is something that I feel like just has become more and more, you know, apparent and blatant and in your face and I'm tired. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. It's really difficult to talk about because we're still all shocked by this news. I think there's so many different elements to these two shootings that we can unpack. And to start off, I think a few things to acknowledge at this moment, um, because obviously the story is still fresh and there's still going to be updates over the next couple of days. Um, But at this current moment, there are a lot of assumptions, but we can't definitively say that there is a motive at this current time. Mm -hmm. There isn't a specific evidence that lead toward the fact that they were targeted because they're Asian. This may be connected to the Asian hate crimes that have happened over the past couple of years. That isn't fully proven at this current moment. How are how do you think we as a community are feeling about this? Where do we go from here? I think in a sense, it's kind of difficult to mm-hmm. um, particularly pinpoint what we can do because on one hand, there's a lot of um, discourse I've seen on Twitter about, you know, the model minority myth and how Asian, the Asian community especially plays into that. Um, And I think with that comes that like, you know what, let's just like, let it be and keep, keep moving forward, put our heads down, Mm -hmm. whatever. Um, But it's becoming more and more difficult, obviously, to ignore that. Um, There was an article that I read in the New Yorker, Michael Luo, Mm -hmm. he wrote it on the 22nd. And essentially just kind of reflecting on the fact that um, Montre Park, uh, California is known for, you know, having a large Asian community and kind of, it was just him kind of reflecting on the past violences against the Asian community Mm -hmm. um, in his history. And then, you know, finding out what was happening on the 22nd and with that mass shooting. And then there was the part that struck me was the end of that article because he kind of said like, you know, around um, the morning, the uh, authorities held a conference and revealed that the suspect was an Asian male. And he kind of just said like, oh, that was that. It's just another mass shooting in America. And I almost burst Mm -hmm. into tears because like the fact that like this kind of violence is against your community. And then as soon as you find out it's, an Asian um, suspect, he was like, oh, you know, just another shooting. Like, mm-hmm. not that it, not that that, like, should, you know, peel back or, like, you know, put that, um, make that shooting as less than. It's just, like, interesting that that lens even had to be, like, revealed and then his demeanor about it or his perspective about it was like yeah so that was all in the past and then now this is this and that's just normal and it's like wow that's so sad and depressing Mm -hmm. um 
I think, but I think at the same time, voices like that are so important. Mm -hmm. He lived there. He um, had those connections to that place. It's just crazy. Like, um, we don't live there. I would not even know how to feel if that happened in a suburb here. Um, I... I don't know. I feel like all at this point I can say or do is just offer my support, whether it's um, financially or um, spreading the word and, and, you know, talking more about other organizations that lift up our, like the community, our Asian diaspora, or just continuing to have these conversations about these tough conversations about um, Asian based violence and, you know, regardless of whether it was targeted or not, the fact of the matter is Asian people were victims. Mm -hmm. They were killed. And we as a community are mourning. Yeah, no, I actually did see that same article like retweeted about this individual who reflects back on their experiences growing up. And when you did mention that, like, you know, following that press conference, having those like heavy feelings, okay, like, just because, you know, the suspect happened to be Asian does not invalidate our feelings. Because I feel that mm-hmm. we as a community, like, you know, I want to like validate how I feel. I want to validate how, you know, other people feel. And we have the right to be angry. We have the right to be sad. And I think hate, you know, regardless of who did it or not, hate is still hate. Like, you know, whether the the killer is, you know, another person or whether this um individual um if is from another community that does not take away from the fact that like what you mentioned a community is torn a community is hurt asian people are still facing violence and that just also reminded me of something similar like i think someone quote tweeted that same article saying that where was the same energy or where was the energy from 2020 during the stop asian hate protests where was that here like where, like, where do we see the same people, like, you know, posting those stories, creating those reels, creating those conversations online, we need to see more of that continued as well. Like we, we still need that solidarity and that solidarity, solidarity doesn't end because, you know, the suspect happened to be from that same community. And it also kind of goes to show that, you know, it really goes to show where yeah, people's allyships kind of lie. You know, we yeah. need, you know, all hands on deck. We need, you know, we need people to hold our hands and we need to like, you know, come together really and just kind of acknowledge that, okay, the way we feel is totally like, okay, we have a right to feel sad and angry. And it really is disheartening. And it kind of like boils my blood, kind of like how you felt when you see Twitter trolls or individuals saying like, oh, you know, the suspect is from, you know, the same community, like it isn't a hate crime or the suspect is from this mm-hmm. community. You guys don't have a right to cry out anti-Asian racism. So it really, you know, there are so many feelings tied to this, but at the same time, I feel like we shouldn't apologize for feeling this way too. And we, you know, have a right to scream, yell, kick, cry. Joining us now on the podcast is a friend of the show, community activist, Raymond Mai. Welcome back to the show, Raymond. It's good to be back. Thank you for having me. Yeah, man. It does suck that 
we have to talk about more tragedies. You know, I wish we could speak on more fun times, but obviously there are some important things to talk about. I first wanted to ask, like, how are you feeling overall? Still processing. I, I appreciate you reaching out, uh, giving me this platform to speak. Um, I'm still processing. I think that's the best way to put it. You know, and to give context, Monterey Park, the, the, the greater area has been another home for me. I grew up in San Diego. I don't live in Monterey Park, just to be clear, but it is an area in which uh, my wife and I frequently go to. We have dinners uh, with friends and family there all the time. Uh, it is where we had our wedding reception. It is where my mom goes to get herbs and medicine and to visit her doctor. It's where uh, family goes uh, to go dancing at Lilai uh, Ballroom and, and you know, at Star Dance uh, Studios. So it's another home for us. You know, it, it's it's an area in which we talked about, like, it, you know, we could settle there, you know. I have a lot of close friends who are from that area too. Just speaking to them over the last few days, uh, it's just it's just devastating, devastating for all of us. And your connection to the community, I wanted you to clarify. So this is a predominantly Asian community. Yeah, I mean, there, there's been some statistics floating around. Just sixty five percent of residents are Asian. That makes sense to me, just based off of when I walk around, I go to the restaurants. It's a lot of Asian immigrants that have built their businesses up. And uh, it's really been a safe haven for Asian immigrants, Asian elderly folks. And it's, from what I saw online, one of the highest concentrated uh, Asian cities in the, in the country of the United States. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, predominant, it's predominantly Asian, but I think also it is a community, uh, I think also LA Times said, refuses to uh, assimilate and instead has catered to its immigrant roots and immigrant history. And a lot of the immigrants and Asian elderly folks that come in, they don't feel this pressure to need to speak English or know English. They can just venture around and, and speak in their native tongue. And it, it's a special community that it's just really hard to explain. Yeah, so I know it must be a really hard time for you, your friends and family, the people in the community. I want to take it back a little bit. Just tell me a little bit about what was happening when you first heard the news and what your initial reaction was. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it was Lunar New Year weekend, right? And we were all celebrating. Um, in years past, my family has gone to the the Lunar New Year Festival in Monterey Park. And so... Um, that's a, it's a huge celebration draws so many people every, every single year. And, um, that weekend, this past weekend, I was, I was with my, uh, my wife's family and we were just coming back from, from dinner and, and new year, uh, festivities. And as I was taking my dog out, uh, just after 10 30, 11, uh, local time, um, I received a, a message on my citizen app and it said that there was a reporter mass shooting in Monterey park. And I didn't know how to process it because I just saw the notification and was kind of confused. You know, it's not, it's not particularly an area in which I expect a mass shooting to be in. And only because it's, it's been such a safe and peaceful area, um, predominantly Asian immigrants 
Um, and, and so to, to see any reported crime there in general is, is surprising to me. Um, and so when I got that, I immediately called uh, two of my closest friends who are my groomsmen who are from El Monte, which is uh, right next door to Monterey Park. Uh, I would say like a mile and two miles away. And I checked in on them and they said, we're home. We didn't know uh, that this was happening. Everyone was confused. And um, I post the screenshot on my Instagram story and just kind of warning people. It didn't get picked up on uh, the news yet. And it was just on Twitter. So it was just the community talking to each other. You know, no news outlets, no one has picked up on it. And then uh, a friend reached out to me who's from um, from the area and and said and said that they're going to check in on their family. And then it started becoming a thing where a lot of my friends started checking in on family, where a lot of us have moved out of the area, um, but their family is still there. So everyone's just confused, checking in on their family, calling their parents. I'm frantically... Uh, texting people I know, my my uh, best friends, uh, one of my best friends' girlfriends live lives around the co corner from the studio, so I had to text her and said, "Hey, like, I heard this is happening. Like, are you okay? Like, please let me know." And then when she came back to me and said, "Yes, I'm I'm fine. I'm trying to figure things out," I went back and texted my best friend who may have been sleeping and said, Hey man, like you might wake up seeing that there was a mass shooting in Monterey park. Like, don't worry. I checked in on your girlfriend for you. Um, she's okay. And it just started becoming this kind of ripple effect of everyone checking in on each other, trying to figure out what's going on. And then um, it was hard to sleep that night, you know, like the LA times picked up on it. Uh, maybe, maybe just after midnight local time. And everyone was just confused. And then I think when the morning came and more information was collected, I think that that's kind of like, I don't, it, everyone's just confused, you know? And I think that's like the biggest thing we, we take away from this. Uh, not necessarily the why, because we real, we, we know now who it was and, and sort of, it may have been a domestic dispute, but sort of like, how do we process something like this, where a safe haven for Asian immigrants, um, you know, it's 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 been it's been rattled by a member of our community, and once again we see victims who look like our parents, uh, 50, 60, 70 year olds, and um, words can't can't describe just how a lot of us are feeling, you know? Um, and even right now, I'm still thinking about it, replaying that and thinking about how that could have been me or my wife, because we just had dinner like a, like around the block, just like a, like a week prior at a Taiwanese hot pot place. It's, it's wild. Wow. Wow. And, um, you mentioned that that community was like a safe haven. Would you say that like nothing like this has ever happened in that area? Yeah, I mean, sure, petty crime, right? Like things things happen like like any other city, but 
every single person I've spoken to who grew up in 626, who had their roots there, they're devastated. And they've all told me, uh, I never, I never thought this, you know, this would happen in our area. And the, the, the devastation also extends to the fact that it's once again, uh, like I mentioned earlier, elderly Asian folks. It's, it's hard to process because it's Lunar New Year. It's, it's a time for all of us to celebrate, but it's also a time for the elders of our family to, to enjoy the new year. You know, they always wish us good fortune and prosperity and good luck. And there's so much generational trauma of, of Asian immigrants coming over from, from, from China, from Vietnam, from, from these, these countries. Um, they've gone through so much and sacrificed everything. And you're talking about people dancing and having a good time on Lunar New Year Eve. Um, it's, it's just, it's hard to, it's hard to think about that, you know, to, to think about someone like my mom and what she's been through and then to see these faces online and they look just like my mom, you know, um, it's, it's devastating. And to look at the suspect, my first reaction, when I saw the picture of the suspect to my, I looked at my wife dead in the eye and I said, that looks like any other Asian man I, I see in Monterey park. It, it it blew my mind. It was not who I suspected. A 72-year-old older Asian man that I see a, a lot of older Asian men walking around 626. And so this fear that's manifested now, right? It it, it was sort of this sentiment of like anti-API violence, uh, anti-Asian uh, anti uh, sentiments where it's the perpetrator is not part of our community. You know, it's someone who is uneducated of our community or someone who um, doesn't have a direct connection to our community. Uh, it, it was it was sort of clear, right? The solution is let's invest into uh, education, conversation, programming, that kind of all these system, systematic solutions. Uh, but to have a suspect like that rattle our whole community and to be a member of our community, to be someone who looks like us, to be someone who understands what we've been through because this guy is Chinese Vietnamese to be of Chinese descent, to have grown up in Vietnam, to have immigrated to Monterey Park. He's been through the same trauma as, as our parents. It's confusing and it's devastating. Mm -hmm. And you bring an interesting point. And I think, you know, we want to be real when we're having these conversations. I think the surprise comes from the fact that typically from U.S. history and the amount of mass shootings that happen in the country, typically you would generally see more of a white person there, right? And not to generalize at all, but that's just statistically what we've seen through the different reports of different shootings all across the country. The fact that it was an older Asian man, does that kind of change some of the conversations, the narratives around this tragedy? I think it's uh, it just makes it more nuanced, I think is the best way I can put it. It's interesting to see the divide on, on social media where people talk about, oh, it's it's not a white guy, so you can't use white supremacy. Um, there's also the other side of we must stop anti-Asian hate. And I'm sort of sitting here feeling like this conversation just, it's not a sweeping conversation, right? It's not a sweeping side where you go, you lean left, you lean right. It, it's super nuanced because 
the issue of of the suspect and what drove him to this mass shooting um that's that's for another conversation but the way the community has reacted i think we need to unpack more of it because we've spent the last few years with just heightened uh, anti-asian sentiments right and and we've seen numerous assaults on older asian people we've seen it in the bay area we've seen it in new york we've seen an asian woman set on fire we see an older asian man just pushed to the ground and and he he dies from the injuries like we've seen that we've seen the atlanta spa shooting we've seen it we felt it as a community our anxiety our fear is already elevated And so the 12 to 16 hours leading up to the review of the suspect, we were all sharing the same thoughts, right? I was having conversations with someone who, um, whose their parents live in the area and they said it, it, it must be some sort of like hate crime, right? Because it just lines up the, the narrative lines up Lunar New Year. Um, there's like anti-Asian sentiments because of the lingering COVID situation. Um, it just lines up. And so when the sus suspect was revealed to be an Asian male, it's not like there's a sigh of relief from anyone in the community, right? It's not like we said, oh, thank God, it's, it's you know, it's one of us, right? It's that anxiety and fear is still there. Um, it's still elevated. It, it's just amplified, amplified because of the violence, amplified because of the mass shooting and, and the deaths of older Asian people, um, and amplified because it's a member of our community, Right. And so the conversation just needs to be super nuanced. Like, in my opinion, I don't, you know, yes, you can argue that Asian on Asian crime, like you can, you can argue that um, this guy could hate Asians, but I think just based on preliminary reports and what people are saying seems to be a domestic dispute. Right. And so I think the conversation needs to be centered on the victims needs to be centered on the community, needs to be centered on healing, and needs to be centered on on the issues within our community that is driving uh, people that look like our ancestors, our elderly, to, to do these things, you know? But there's still, there's still room to talk about anti-Asian hate, right? or Asian hate. Um, there's still room to talk about white supremacy. Um, and 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 how there there needs to be room made to talk about this issue within our community, you know, and so this these sweeping comments or sweeping tweets that look like headlines, I just don't think it's like appropriate, you know. Um, obviously, I'm biased. I I have a connection to the community. Uh, maybe it's maybe I have a different take if it's if it's somewhere else, you know. Um, but that's just that's just how I feel. You know, being connected to the community, and and so I I and then I see politicians making comments and you know national organizations, and I think my last point on this is sort of when I'm speaking to people and they're looking to support, I almost say hey like personally I I support a lot of um you know gun regulation ordinances and laws I I think it is important you know um and so I do support these organizations typically. But I think the support and this needs to be centered on people on the ground, you know, um, what Giffords is doing, what, what March for Our Lives is doing. Like, I think I think that's great. But I think supporting them and supporting legislation as a whole doesn't help our community heal. 
And I, that's just a nuanced part of the conversation, right? Because I just said I support gun control. Um, and so it's, it's, it's a very tricky conversation to navigate. And I just wanted to take it back to that night one more time in just asking about the Lunar New Year celebration and the dance studio and the significance of all of that in the community. Can you explain that to the people who might not be familiar? Yeah, I mean, Lunar New Year is special. It's celebrated across all the different communities within our diaspora. Family comes together. We have dinner. We celebrate the new year and, and we do the red envelope exchanges, at least in our in, in, in Chinese families. And there's a lot of like wishing good luck and prosperity. And we talk about how it's now the year of the rabbit um, in the Chinese zodiac, year of the cat in, in Vietnamese zodiac. And so th there's a lot of just celebration and conversation around like what's to come for the next year, right? Wishing positive vibes essentially for for other people that like just in a nutshell right there's a lot of intricacies and different families do different customs um i know that my wife's family loves to do things like you know eat vegetarian for a portion of of the day or the whole day um you know don't wash our hair for um for lunar new year because we don't want to wash away the bad luck like there's there's customs that that people look forward to doing because it's 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 tradition and it's part of our culture and and we love it we celebrate it it was particularly special for us because um my wife and i it, this was our first year being the ones on the other side of the red envelope we were giving money out we were um the ones you know stuffing the red envelopes with Chris bills that I got from the bank the prior day went over to her her mom's house and the younger the younger cousins would line up after dinner you know say say their sayings of you know going uh, sunny like just just saying these sayings of like happy new year you know to someone who's elderly or to a married couple um it's special it's a special it was a special moment for us too and you know, we have this big Lunar New Year celebration that's huge in Monterey Park, right? People come out, they get to try different foods from different vendors. You see dances, you see people singing. Uh, it's a blast. It is It is a huge block party, you know, 100,000 people coming out throughout the whole weekend. And so th that's, that's, that's the scale of this, right? That's the scale of the happiness and the good fortune and the partying and the good vibes, you know? And... And for all of that to go down the toilet because of this this mass shooting, it's um, a lot of us had a hard time processing it because that was just Lunar New Year Eve. The next day, we still had Lunar New Year plans, right? Like some of my friends were going to go to the temple. They're not going to the temple anymore. I had family who wanted to go uh, pick up stuff in Monterey Park. I had to call them and say, no, like, don't go. Right. Like people canceling plans, canceling things going out. And we had a dinner with uh, my wife's uh, dad's side of the family that on Lunar New Year Day. And it was great. We still had a good time, but there was something looming over all of us. Right. We all knew what happened the prior day um, and trying to, to move forward from that. A big component of the story that we've seen is just the significance of this dance studio what does that mean to that community? Man, like the thing with this community, right? There's a lot of immigrants. There's a lot of Asian immigrants. And it's mostly older people that love to go dancing because it's an activity for them. And it helps them just feel connected to each other. 
there's the empty nest syndrome and the kids go away or the kids grow up and they move away. They have families. A lot of older people look for activities. And, and as you probably know this, there's communities of older Asian people doing things, right? Because it keeps them busy and they feel connected and they're not just sitting at home watching Chinese news or something. It's special. Like that dance community is super special. I mean, I'm not connected to it at all because I, I you know, to be honest, I, I want to do it uh, myself, but I, I have a huge appreciation for what it does for uh, the older generation. And, and they have a blast, right? I mean, I remember my wife telling me like, yeah, my grandparents love to go dancing and they go dancing at Lila Ballroom or, you know, Star Dance. Like they go to, I was like blown away when she told me like they go to those studios. But um, this was their safe haven for the rest of their life. And now it's disrupted forever. Are they going to go out and dance? I don't know. You know, is that the owner of that ballroom was one of the victims? What's going to happen to that, right? It's, it's a huge part of that community. Uh, how do we support the, the older generation? Where do they go now? Yeah, yeah. And something on top of that story itself is this was not the only shooting as you know this was one of multiple shootings i believe up to the date of this recording i believe there's already been 39 shootings in the united states which is baffling and two in a matter of a couple of days uh in california the other one being in half moon bay i know i'm asking a tough one but from what you've seen so far can you try to talk about why this is happening it's the, it's the million dollar question. I wish we had the answer as a community. I think there's a trend, right? There, you have a 72-year-old man in Monterey Park. You have a 67-year-old Asian man, Half Moon Bay. Um, it, it's older Asian male males. Um, we can make sweeping statements of, uh, you know, community resources and this and that. And... Um, it's hard to put a finger on it, you know, but I, I think one conversation I, I can draw from, from all of this is, is a conversation I had with a friend who uh, we talked about mental health uh, and particularly for the older generation. Um, I'm very cognizant though of, of the conversation of mental health, right? Because uh, it's important that it's not a cop-out, right? I think at the end of the day, we call out the the bullshit that, that happens and and the uh, disgusting, senseless violence uh, caused by these two older Asian men. I think that's first and foremost. Um, it's disgusting, and uh, it it rattles me, and it it it's a lot, right? It's a lot on me and and other people. Um, but with that said, I think there can be room for a conversation on mental health in our community. Uh, there can be room to talk about how. Uh, what, what it means to internalize uh, feelings, internalize hate, and um, going through life suppressing your emotions and, and not feeling like you can speak up or be vulnerable. And I think that's, uh, that's a sentiment that a lot of younger Asian uh, people face because in this new generation, we... Um, we are more vulnerable or we are encouraged to be more vulnerable. Uh, whereas our older generation and, and my mom in particular, up, up until maybe more recently, um, have always said, hey, like, don't 
don't cry because you're a man, you know, be a man. And um, I wouldn't be surprised if that permeates uh, through the community and, and sort of becomes a situation where older Asian men need more mental health services. How we address that, I don't know, right? Because we talk about the stubborn older Asian man complex that that does happen in our community. Um, but it, it is important to talk about that that issue, right? And um, perhaps that has lended ha had lended a hand in both of these shootings, perhaps. Um, but but it is it is something that I have observed with other folks too. You know, you bring up a good point earlier in our conversation when you were talking about how the conversations that we're having should be rooted in a human level. Um, but unfortunately, just because of the state of where we are in, in society, it'd be irresponsible to ignore some of the other elements of this conversation. Again, as speaking from the perspective of someone from Asia, from Canada, sorry, I remember reading about how you know, since the rise of the anti-Asian hate crimes, there has been a rise of Asian people buying guns. With these tragedies, do you feel like it incentivizes more people, specifically Asian people, to purchase a firearm to protect themselves? And do you think that's justifiable? Um, yeah, I mean, look, it's it's very relevant. It's very timely. You're not the first person to ask me. Uh, I've had conversations with numerous, uh, happens to be very numerous Asian men of multiple generations of the idea of, of getting a gun. And in fact, it was asked by a family, an older family member, uh, an Asian man, after this weekend of tragedy, have you considered owning a gun? And it's a very timely question. Um, you know, I think I I can't cite specific stats, but my my assumption is, you know, the correlation is higher. You know, more weapons, more available guns, more deaths, right? And it just just to oversimplify it, uh, just a bit. But I think it's a natural human reaction, as as some as someone in the United States, where gun culture permeates through our whole society here in the United States. Um, I know there, there's there's the narrative that it's a very US-centric problem, uh, per perhaps, right, because of, of how gun culture is around here. And so, um, yeah, I think it is a natural reaction for United States Asian folks who have seen the rise of violence in our, against our community to react this way. Um, to say it's justifiable, I mean, you know, I think that's a very gray area. I personally uh, want to own a gun. Um, that's that's just not not me. Um, but to the friends who have told me that they're looking into acquiring a gun, to the friends who have told me that uh, they're interested, it's not my place to say, hey, don't get it. Uh, because I also am sympathetic to the the fear and the anxiety that happens within our community. Um, it is a very, very nuanced conversation as well. Like this whole gun gun thing. Um, and it's very relevant across our whole country on a legislative level too.
And I will say my stance is I, I want to own a gun. I am for gun re regulation, um, gun control. And to the next person, I know you're, you might be fearful and have anxiety. And if you feel like that is what is needed to protect you, uh, I'm not one to tell you to, uh, to not do it, you know? And, and so that, that's a very difficult sort of like crossing point for me to come to, you know, I think my, my, my stance on, on guns in general hasn't changed, but my stance on how I react to other people having guns have have changed um because i you know i i have i'm sympathetic to it i'm emotionally tied to this this cause of um the greater community greater society at large and also people who look like me who who feel the same way i do you know uh me you know i don't talk about this a lot but me being in orange county uh during covid having my mask on and being harassed by four white men like verbally harassed and it, it's 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 uh it's like burned in me you know that memory has been burned in me and the first thing i thought of when i was harassed was um i wouldn't be able to take them anyways because it's one on four um and the, the natural thinking of many others would be if i had a gun maybe they wouldn't say anything right that wasn't what i thought but it sure makes it easier right um and and so that that's that's the very complicated thought process that that I go through, and and so um, I replay, I replay what's going on when I was being harassed uh, constantly. Um, them t telling me I'm a piece of shit and a piece of shit mask wearing Asian man. Um, you know they wish they had COVID so they could give it to me because you know me wearing a mask, and it's. It's, I understand how other people feel. You know, I've been harassed myself for being Asian. You said it beautifully. I agree 100%. I personally don't agree with owning a gun too. Again, it's easier for me to say because I'm from a country that has very strict gun laws. But the justification for it, I'm not going to be as argumentative to that point because I understand more, um, especially when I've heard arguments about how you know, I can't trust law enforcement to protect me. I have to protect myself and my family. And, and here's uh, the thing, too. Uh, sorry to cut in. Here's the thing with that. To that point, I have to protect myself, right? Because law enforcement are, are, are reactionary. Like, they react to an incident. They're not there to be preventative, in, in my opinion. Like, I, whether a cop was, you know, if a cop was around the corner of, of star dance i don't know if that would have really deterred deterred the guy from doing what what he was he was he was it was premeditated he was set on what he was going to do you know and so um sorry i that just elicited reaction for me but uh i get it because i gotta protect myself i gotta protect my family and so how do i go about that in ways that doesn't involve a gun how do i navigate my life and think through all the steps of protecting the people I love protecting me in the most peaceful manner possible. Cause that's my only choice at this point, you know? Yes. And um, um, also I just wanted to ask a side question as someone who lives in California and um, with the past two shootings happening in California, my impression based off what I've seen is that California typically had 
more of the stricter gun laws in comparison to other states in the United States. I wanted to know based on what you've seen, obviously you haven't gone auto your way to do it, but is it easy to buy a gun there? Um, you know that I can't quite, uh, I, I can't really respond to. I, I think my, actually my brother would be more equipped to, to respond to it. Um, I think in general in the United States, if, and, and California, if you are an upstanding citizen and you you go through the process, you you can you can acquire a gun, right? And, and I and I think that that's the general sentiment. Um, what type of gun you're able to get? I understand that it's it's a lot more difficult in California, right? There's a difference between having a a, a pistol and a rifle, right? It, it's it's very different. Um, and so, my whole thing, based on what I've seen, is. If you really want a weapon, you can get one, right? Maybe not an automatic rifle, um, but you can. And here's the thing, too. Like, I think it is true. Like, if uh, on the other side, it, there's there's very strict gun laws that deter people, uh, but that doesn't mean it's impossible to 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 get a weapon. And I think that's the point. Right. It's it's one thing for it to be legislation. And I think California in general, I feel a lot better that there's like people not op open carrying around. Right. Like I don't see someone with just a pistol like out in public like I've seen in other states like California definitely has some sort of their legislation does make an impact, at least visibly. But at the end of the day, it's it's also the culture. It's the culture of of guns. It, it is mental health. It is everything. And it, it can't just be like talking about gun control and not talking about mental health services. It can't be just talking about mental health services and you can have your guns, right? It is It is all the conversations. It is all of the issues. It is also systemic racism. It is all the issues because people feel the need to protect themselves or people feel the need to react in a certain way. And they feel like the way they need to react is to have a weapon and to cause harm to other people. Right. And so um, instead of going to therapy, instead of going through mental health services um, and, and, and so it's, it's all of the issues. Right. Um, so I know I took your question to the next level, but you know, I, I think it goes both ways. If, if you really want a weapon, you can get it legally or illegally. Right. Um, and I think the problem is the, is the culture itself. I wanted to get your reaction. I know you've given some of this reaction, but I think trying to start scaling back to the more of a bigger picture thing, despite the fact that both of these shootings are still fresh in our minds. What is the reaction that you've seen of everything? And what does it make you feel overall? You know, people are sad, uh, processing, mourning, confused, even numb. Right? I've had people who tell me they're, they feel bad because they're, they're numb to the gun violence. It is a whole myriad of, of reactions. And I think every single one of those reactions are justifiable makes it makes sense and we should have this space to grieve and we should have this space to be able to react in all the different ways we are currently reacting as a community 
where we move forward. That I don't have an answer to. And I think that speaks to uh, how hurtful the, this event has been. You know, it's still, it's so fresh. I haven't even thought about what's next because I'm thinking about the community and healing and, and resources for those who are more directly impacted. Um, I think down the line, we, we, we do need to have a conversation on everything we discuss on this podcast, mental health, gun regulation, <clears throat> as a, as a community, how do we support one another? How do we provide funding to support one another? Um, how do we have spaces where we can feel whole again and where our older generations can, can come back and be on their feet and to enjoy life without fear and anxiety? Like, these conversations are going to be relevant and prevalent for quite some time. And we're going to find ways around it, right? If it's not legislatively, it's going to be through community organizations. It's going to be the people on the ground supporting each other. Um, but as of right now, it is, at least in 626, it is spent on healing. And uh, candlelight vigils coming out to the community and um, supporting one another, not just spiritually and emotionally, but economically you know a lot of these local businesses they uh they're going to suffer because of the looming recession and because of the shooting and because less and less people at least for the time in the near future are not going to be coming to monterey park as much to to eat um either fear because they don't want to go out or because um their their view on monterey park has changed or 626 uh, the problem is these these restaurants and these local businesses are owned by Asian families, Asian immigrants, older Asian people. And so to the extent that anyone would like to support, make that extra drive if you can and feel safe enough to to eat at a local Asian restaurant in 626 or go grocery shopping in 626. Um, it, it's important because there's going to be a rippling effect from this shooting more than people are currently thinking about. Right. And, and so um, that's, what's on my mind. That's my reaction. How do we move forward as a community to heal and to, to, to support all the older Asian immigrants that are still there that still call Monterey park home. Absolutely. And I think it's very important to point out what you said about how many members of our community are having different reactions. I think the root of a lot of activism is a sense of frustration in the sense that we see a pattern or we see something happening again and again, and it's a matter of condolences, but lack of action. And some people are really tired and really want to turn these tragedies into actionable things. But it's also important to note that some people aren't fully ready to be in that position yet because they're still grieving and they're having different feelings and they're taking it even harder because whether it's personal connections or what the community meant to them. What kind of words of advice can you give to people who are traumatized from this, the event and are afraid of 
what could happen in the future to their own friends and family. You know, these these thoughts are circling my mind all the time. Um, just just from being a new husband, you know, thinking about my wife's safety, thinking about my family more. Um, I think number one, just take all the time you need. It's important to take all the time you need and to not feel like you have to move on. You know, I, I think the frustration about all this is uh, just a few days later, there's another shooting in Half Moon Bay, right? And then the, the narrative becomes, oh, there's another shooting. Oh, there's another shooting. You know, and, and it it's, Monterey Park's not really talked about as much because there's Half Moon Bay and there's dedicated resources to figuring other shootings out. And it just goes on and on and on. And it Monterey Park becomes a stat. And it's it's important for people to know that it's not a stat and and you don't need to move on from it um, you know uh, until you're ready that that's my number one thing to those who are, are directly impacted um, spend time with your loved ones do the things you love when you're ready to to feel safe you can you can you can move forward and i think in the time in the interim for community members who feel the strength that they can do more you know let's let's talk as a community what can we do for those who are most directly impacted in monterey park for the elderly there's an organization I want to highlight, uh, Compassion and SGV. Uh, it's a purely volunteer-based organization where they pair volunteers with the elderly. And if they need to go do errands, they need to go on a walk, they need to go to their car and they don't feel safe, they're by themselves or they don't speak English. That's a very easy way for the elderly to start to feel safe and whole again in their own home, their own community. Um, a younger person or anyone coming out to, to help walk them to their car it may seem like a trivial thing for them is not, you know, so let's not take these small things for granted either. The small acts of support can go a long way, you know, and with that said, on, on a greater scale, there will be a fight and there will continue to be a fight for justice and equity and safety for our communities whether on a federal, state, or local level, because I need to give a shout out to all the activists who continue to push, like you said, where if it's always an uphill battle, it always feels like, oh, here's another one, here's another one. Um, it is a thankless job, not even a job, it's a thankless thing to do because a lot of activists put everything on the line for the work that they do just to make an inch of progress. So there are there there are people who are fighting and will continue to fight. And for those who feel like, you know, the the um, it, it's time to it's time to act. There are people organizing always, looking to act. You know, in, in Culver City where where I live, um, after the Uvalde shooting in Texas, uh, that left many children um, dead. Parents were very frustrated. 
across the country. And in Culver City, there were some parents who came together and said, we need to make a difference in our local community. And I was very, you know, with, with everything going on in my life, I, I was very thankful that they reached out to me and asked me to help them with some social media needs, right? To help build a website, to help build a toolkit, to help build a MailChimp, to help them have the tools and the resources to organize other parents around the idea of gun safety. And what happened was they organized and by the end of 2022, they got city council to pass a local ordinance to to strengthen gun um, gun safety ordinances across Culver City, right? They got city council to to get a research committee to put something together and and to identify uh, weaknesses within uh, local you know local ordinances that that pertains to gun safety, and and they did something about it, right? It's it's the inches that you gain. It's not the miles that you gain. You can't make big splashy steps uh because because it's not realistic but it's the inches you gain from these little things and then people are organizing in burbank for for that sort of thing as well and they were the, both communities were talking to each other you know on the side for outside of our slack and so um there's people who are organizing for the fight i saw it I helped with the toolkits, but I saw the passion of these parents who came together and said, enough is enough. And they did something about it, you know, and they'll continue to do more. And I love it. And so there's space for all of that. There's space for healing. There's space to support folks who are hurting. There, there's space to be in the community to support economically. And there's space for people to be activists and to fight on a legislative level. So there's space for all of that. And so there, and and so there's space for all of us wherever we're at in this tragedy, uh, and and we'll move forward together. Uh, only time will heal, and you know, to the eleven that passed away in Monterey Park, um, we will always, always remember them. Uh, there, there's an Instagram. Um, I think it's like J J D Chang. I, I need I need to find it, uh, but this guy draws these beautiful portraits of each victim who is identified. And I look at them and I, I'm, I'm, I smile, but I'm sad, right? I'm sad because they passed away, but I smile because their memory is going to live forever on that page and in many people's minds. And um, that's what we need to do as well. Well, Thank you so much for taking the time to speak to me. And I also want to thank you for all the work you've done yourself as an activist. Um, and you express the importance of activism work. And I absolutely agree. And you are one of those people. And I think that I have so much respect for you. And you're always welcome on the show to speak on not just serious things, but you know, fun things as well. We don't always want to have these conversations in such a sad time like you know because it's, those aren't the only conversations that we can have um before i go is there anything else that you wanted to say or um promote or share um to our listeners um well first off thanks for having me again um i, I i'd love to have fun conversations too uh, i don't i don't always like to have serious ones but um the last thing that i'll, I'll leave I'll leave on the show is 
Monterey Park and, and San Gabriel Valley, SUV 626, that whole area, there's nothing like it. I, uh, I've spoken on the show before about how I grew up in a, in a predominantly um, Latinx and Black community in San Diego, and that will always be home. That will always be where I grew up, Southeast San Diego, East County. I'll always love it. Um, but 626 is special because there are thousands of people who share the same stories as me, being a, being son of immigrants, um, finding ourselves in, in, in this world and balancing being an immigrant family, but also American, you know, and um, being in 626, I feel at home in a different way. Um, the food, the, the community, seeing all the older Asian people walking around and, you know, they, they reminded me of my mom and, and, and just the antics and all that. And um, it's my people. And it, it has been so instrumental in connecting me back to, to my history, you know, and just me being able to learn about all the cuisines within Chinese and Vietnamese culture in ways I, I didn't have growing up because in San Diego, um, the, the, the food is, is very different down there, you know? And so um, I'll end on saying that San Gabriel Valley as a whole and modern park are very, very special communities. Uh, it's hard to describe, but you got to come out. People have to come out to see. Um, I love it so much and i will always love it it will always be another home for me and there's no place like it in the united states hands down and um i send all my love and support to those uh directly impacted by the tragedy and um i will continue to use whatever i can as an activist to support that community to support the aapi community to support communities of color facing oppression um we're collectively all in this together you know um and um that's all i got to say I, i'm just i'm just speechless cuz i'm just thinking about all the great memories i had in 66 you know um and i will continue to have more good memories there i'm I'm not leaving. I'm not uh I'm not going to stay away from that area. I'm I'm going to go back. I'm going back this Sunday to lay flowers for for those who who passed away. Um and I will continue to support that community. Wow. Well, what a great way to end the podcast. Um where can people find you? You can just uh you know find me on my Instagram at Raymond Mai, just my name, R-A-Y-M-O-N-D-M-A-I. And always down to chat, always down to catch me on my adventures and, you know, much love to everyone. To our listeners, thank you so much for listening to this special episode of the Asian Connection. These conversations are not over. We will continue to have them. And again, for everyone out there, hope you all stay safe and have a good day.